0: They're
1: Welcome to Burler's Hurlers. It is July 5th. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Um, the White Sox are 49-34, and 34, six games ahead of Cleveland. We just uh, had a couple big series, one pretty triumphant and one kind of... <laughs> so, I'm host Dan.
0: I'm host Don, amused by fart noises 100% of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was, that was amateur too. That wasn't, wasn't even that good. Um, so let's start with the twin series because that was a lot of fun, I thought. Oh, it, yeah. It started with Donaldson smashing a Giolito meatball. And then uh, he made a little hand signal implying he's got no grip on the ball. Mouth those things as well ton of fallout from Sox roster and Donaldson going back and forth. So, yeah, I mean Sox ended up sweeping the series. It was a huge momentum and, you know, reignition of the rivalry. So, Don, let's let's start there with game 1, Donaldson, Donaldson in general.
0: Yeah, so it 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 kind of hurts to say, but I think Giolito came off poorly there. Like, Donaldson crushed the homer and probably accurately said that he's not using sticky stuff anymore. And I think Giolito, after the game, kind of, like, attacked Donaldson, and it just came off really weird. Like, everyone in the world knows Giolito was using sticky stuff. Donaldson got the better of him. And now it's just, like, some sore loser stuff from Giolito, who 99% of the time I, I really love, so... It just kind of hurt to see, like, the more fun person in this rivalry not be on the Sox. And then the hilarious part was when, like, Donaldson crushed another homer off-season. Like, oh, God, you can't even be mad mad at the guy. This is, like, hilarious. It's objectively fun what Donaldson did.
1: Oh, yeah. Natural nativist was, oh, yeah, screw Donaldson. And, you know, a a little bit screw Donaldson. But I I agree. I think Giolito did come off worse in that exchange. You know, he got crushed, he got taunted, he kinda whined about it. And then there were details that Donaldson tried to meet Giolito in the parking lot and like straight up confronted him about it. <laughs> Giolito like backed down all meek and I don't know. I I think on you know, with all the sound bites summed up, the Sox seemed the better, like and you know, it galvanized them, scored a ton of runs, looked at the best they've looked in about a month. Uh So the Sox got the better of it. But yeah, man to man, I'd say Giolito was on the lower end of that.
0: Not day. even, but but to be, to be fair to Giolito, like if there's one guy in Major League Baseball that I would not want to fight, Donaldson's like near the top of the list. He's just got those like crazy eyes. Any like white guy with a mohawk kind of just like terrifies me. Like I would have, Gito probably would have gotten his ass kicked, so I have no problem with Giolito's being like, Ugh, I'm just going home, man.
1: I don't want Giolito fighting him, yeah, but I don't want the outcome for him to be like you know cat got his tongue and just like, oh sorry, yeah, 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 I don't know. I don't so know you man. Wanted,
0: you wanted him to like go to the parking lot, but then for like your mean to be like like hold me back, hold me back, you wanted your mean like holding Giolito back
1: right. I'm picturing like a movie scene where. You know, totally unrealistic. You've both got your crews and the crews ba- break it up, but you still keep your rep. That's what I want.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I thought I thought you were going more for like the weigh-in before a boxing match where they're like face-to-face and it's like that fake fight thing.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd settle for that too. Because, yeah. I mean, neither of these guys are actually going to throw their career in the toilet in a parking lot brawl, so I I, I don't think it would come to that.
0: Yeah, there's only a few guys in baseball who was like, I can have a multi million dollar career or I can punch this guy and ruin all of it. There's only a couple of guys who would choose the punch. Like Rugnet Odor like punched Jose Bautista and like ended his career. Like was it worth it? Odor was like, man, yeah, it was worth it, because he's like a crazy man.
1: And Odor is on the Yankees right now, so I don't know if it ended his career.
0: I can see it ended his career as like a star. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if he was ever a star like, being very generous.
1: Who did he knock out? Again? Well, he didn't knock him out. He kind of stimmied him.
0: Jose like Batista.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's out of the, the LB, so. Yeah, he's gone. I guess he's he did kind of they did end that day.
0: Yeah, man, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, think about that. <laughs> Rough middle door is on the Yankees, and Batista's out of baseball. Probably would not have guessed that when that event happened.
0: <laughs> well, then the Tiger series, speaking of like yep. getting the better – I know. thought like we not only did we lose two or three, I thought it was like bad. Like the way we lost those two games was bad. Like Giolito, as we said, got him kind of embarrassed by Donaldson, hoping for him to just come out in like seven innings, ten strikeouts, classic Giolito. It's kind of got shelled. And that's gonna be is that his last start before the all? No, he'll have one more start before the All Star break. But yeah it's we- not looking good for him right now. I'm not confident at all in him. And I haven't said that in like two years does not be confident in G League, And it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was ugly all around and it was, you know, we've seen it before just a couple weeks ago during the losing streak where the offense just can't produce and even when they do produce they're not converting, they had like eight hits in two innings the other day and scored one run. It's just I think it was seven hits. But uh There's definitely something missing in that series. You kind of wanted two of three there as we go back into Minnesota. Baltimore, on paper, is a good series for us, but uh, I don't know. After sweeping the Twins, that takes a little bit of the burn-off on losing a series to the Tigers. You're going to lose series, but like you said, it's the manner in which they lost, like non-competitive losses. That's not what you want to see, but it happens in a long season.
0: And the, um, did you see what uh, Keigel said about like the fielding positioning? I think it was yesterday that story came out. I did not. Yeah. So he said that um, he's been kind of frustrated because he thinks outfielders play too deep. And I don't know if you saw the game where like the inside the Parker Hamilton, Billy Hamilton like dove kind of a bad play, went for it, ended up being inside Parker. It happens, whatever. But after the game, Keiko's like, I don't blame Billy Hamilton, but I just think outfielders play way too deep. You know, I'm a guy who I give up a lot of contact. I don't strike a ton of people out. And they're not going to hit me super hard. So he feels like he's doing his job. Some singles are being, like, blooped into the outfield, but because the outfielders are playing so far back, they end up hits. When a normal outfield alignment would probably just be like, oh, easy a can of corn. So I thought it was interesting he would, like, come out and say that. Not to, like, challenge LaRusse or anything, but, like, rather than kind of just, like, take ownership. Because this is a guy who was, like, l- like, lighting into the team, like, at preseason. I don't know if you remember that, where he was, like, kind of criticizing the team. Like, this is unacceptable. I'm a veteran. Like, I've been to World Series. We got to do better. And now he's kind of, like, blaming the team. It was just weird, I thought.
1: I think there's a, like, there's a few parts to that. It's interesting that he came out in the media and said that. Maybe he's been saying it in the room and it's not being heard. So he thought he had to. And also, who's in the outfield? It's, you know, a patchwork of secondary position and washed guys who are having a, a very good season with the White Sox. So positioning is one thing, but you also got to think about. Like, is there a single outfielder other than Hamilton and Goodwin whose primary position is outfield?
0: I guess Adam Eaton, but he's been, you know, injured.
1: Well, yeah, Eaton, okay. But I, I guess I'm just saying, like, even if the positioning was good, I think you're going to just have below average fielding, not errors, but coverage. So I think that that's valid, and it's kind of vague criticism, where it's like, well, the positioning could be better, not don't blow that play Hamilton. So I'm kind of okay with it. It's like he is a veteran and he does have a very specific way of pitching, you know, a little bit unorthodox in a power pitching league to be the finesse guy. But I, I, I don't know. He's getting shelled too. So maybe he's just like a lashing out right now because I mean, he can't find the answer in his arm.
0: He said that too. He he was like, you know, I know I've been pitching my best. I know I got to do better. You know, I gave up those homers, so he wasn't like making excuses exclusively about that. But I wonder, like, now that you say that, it just must be so frustrating to go from Luis Robert and center, who's catching everything, to like Andrew Vaughn and Larry Garcia and Brian Goodwin, a guy who was like on the waivers three weeks ago, like pitching to with Luis Robert behind you oh, my God, everything's getting caught. And now it's just like another two months of this, maybe. He's probably so frustrated.
1: Oh, yeah. I think the fans are frustrated. The team's probably frustrated. But, I mean, they are handling it, I think, better than could have been expected. The players are, at least at the dish.
0: Well, this is a good transition for a couple of trade Mm -hmm. targets, unless you uh, got anything else you wanted to do first.
1: No, I think we can put a bow on that forgettable series and let's move on to what's going to make us a little bit better.
0: So there's two guys last couple days that have uh, specifically been linked to the Sox. One, uh, Trevor Story. So why don't we start there? If you didn't see, apparently the Sox and the Rockies have been talking about Trevor Story. And in this hypothetical trade, Trevor Story would move to second base. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so probably wouldn't take like, a ton to get them, but it would, I mean, we're looking at probably a Copec type player, I would say. So let's start there. Trevor Story, it's in a vacuum. Are you interested? And then Socks specifically 2021, are you interested?
1: It's a really good question. It'd be a lot easier to answer if the Sox had already made a move, but now we're like, we keep going further down the injury rabbit hole. And I wonder if we're going to be chasing we're six games up. We're we're probably going to be in the playoffs, right? How bad of a second half do we have to do to not make the playoffs?
0: With the second wild card, it would be shocking at this point. I mean, we're looking at like we would need like a ten game losing streak to not make the playoffs,
1: right? Even but then the Indians, won, I mean- Yeah. yeah.
0: The Indians just lost like six straight when we were doing terrible. So like, even if we lose ten straight, the Indians probably go like three and seven and not really make up any ground. So
1: that was the beauty of our losing streak because it coincided with the Tigers' struggles. So yeah, somehow after a bad month, we're further ahead in the standings. So we've lucked out there. So I guess I'm interested because as I like talk through this, it's like if we're in the dance. We're talking about having other stars returning into a potentially more loaded lineup. Like if at the start of the year you say Madrigal's utility and Trevor Story's at second base, you sign up for that. That could potentially happen in a playoff run where Eloy's back, Robert's back, and now you have Trevor Story, who has had some really good years.
0: I mean, that's an unbelievable lineup. Like one through nine, your worst hitter by far, by far is like Adam Eaton. And then everyone else is like clearly above average. That is a frightening lineup.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that I do think we're gonna make it into the playoffs limping. A guy like that, it, he's way better than Escobar in my eyes. like I oh yeah. I love this it, story because Eduardo Escobar is highly gettable. But, I mean, we, we laid it out last pod where we talked about he's not, like, a plate setter or, like, a momentum guy. He's, like, a free cleanup type guy. He'll have his moments, but he's not Trevor Story type player.
0: And it's, a, like, a huge benefit of story is he's an excellent defensive player. I know he'd be switching to second, but, I mean, hypothetically, he'd be doing even better at second base, so... Like, Escobar is like, ugh, kind of whatever at second. Actually kind of bad defensively. So, Story and Anderson, and then Moncada's having a hell of a defensive year. Like, that's an awesome defensive lineup. And then to go back a little bit, Fangraphs has our percent chance we make the playoffs is 94%. It's like a 6% chance we miss the playoffs according to Fangraphs right now.
1: That's a solid percent. Just for informational purposes, Trevor Story this year, 11 home runs, uh, 41 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, uh, 256 average, 327 OBP, 455 slugging. So, I mean, that's a that's a valuable guy.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a down year for him, and he's still on a pace for like four wins above replacement. And that's like being the only good hitter in an atrocious lineup. Like uh, right. I, I love Trevor Story. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. So if, if I, I, li- I like the trade, Kopech, are you willing to give him up? I mean, we, we're pretty much always willing to give him up in these trades because I think we want the team to firm up and go for it with who they have. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Right now, you have a shot at being in the playoffs. You may as well roll the dice.
0: Well, I got two thoughts. One is that I, I think in the past I haven't been willing to give up Kopech unless it's for a guy with multiple years of control. It's so like the idea of trading Kopech for what two months of story like that. That is that does make me nervous. But story, I think, that's a guy who makes you close to the favorites to win or at least get to the World Series in the AL. Like he's that big of a difference maker. So the question is like, would you give up Michael Kopech to make the World Series? Like I think I'd say yes to that. Right. But then, but then the second thought is, I can't remember where I read it today, but someone. Uh, alluded to the idea that Rick Hahn might not be willing to give up a huge piece to get like a Trevor story type because he doesn't think there's a sense of urgency uh, in July because like we just said Indians kind of terrible last couple weeks Tigers twins no one's coming it so he's like why would I give up a Michael Kopech when I don't need Trevor story for the next three weeks. Like, yeah, I need him in August. I need him in September. I Need him in October. Hopefully, But, like, if I have to trade Michael Kopech now, or wait a month, and I only have to give up like a Garrett Crochet, it, are the next three weeks really going to be that disastrous where we absolutely need Trevor Story? His thing Rick Hahn's thinking is like, no. So he's so we we don't have to give up that elite piece, which I think I agree with. I mean, looking at the, how the last couple weeks played out.
1: Gotcha. Um. Yeah, I, I understand that. It seems like the kind of situation that you lose out on, though, like I, you kind of want to be aggressive, I'd feel.
0: Yeah, I, I would want to be
1: like, you're basically saying we're going to wait to be the lowest bidder. And you're saying nobody wants someone who at times has been a six war player, like a 40 home run infielder, middle infielder. Somebody wants him. I mean it's That's a good it. point. So right. you can really build yourself a beautiful excuse with we were waiting out the market and then miss out and then get some over maybe overpay or appropriately play pay for an Escobar. To me I didn't even think Trevor Story would like be on the table but if he is I'm interested.
0: And if we're looking at teams who are like overperforming like the Sox and teams who have a pretty big hole at second base like the giants what a cinderella story imagine trevor story going there and like this super likable team with a bunch of like scrappy old guys and like young dudes outperforming like the giants could use him tomorrow so yeah i guess i think I you talked me into it we're not the only team bidding for better, trevor story there's gonna be a huge market
1: no, and just this story about the Sox interest is going to create new markets, you know?
0: Exactly. But, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, if you're looking at the division winners, there's not a lot of teams that need help enough in the middle infield to trade for Trevor Sto- Like, the Red Sox, they're not doing it. The Rays, they just called it Wander Franco. You know, the Astros, obviously not. A's, they never do stuff like that. So, in the AL, like, I think we're the only team in the AL who would do it. But the, all, the Yankees. That's I mean, are they really going to trade for him? And what are they going to do with Glaber Torres? You know,
1: just stack expensive players. That's what they do.
0: I yeah. I mean,
1: what's twenty million? It's nothing. What what is, yeah, uh, fourteen million? I guess like this
0: has. is a move. Yeah, this is a move that the Yankees would do. Like, yeah, we got we'll, 10 we'll eat nothing.
1: this. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole oh, deal. It's like, what? He could play any position in the infield, probably. I don't know. They could use and they need to
0: do something. Their fans are furious. I don't know how many like Yankees writers or Yankees fans you follow on Twitter. Like, Their fans, they are like, fire Aaron Boone tonight. Like, Sell the team. Get rid of all these bums. Like, they are furious. So if they don't make a trade soon, I think there's going to be real pressure to like sell guys off.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it. I've heard Aaron Judge is available.
0: Oh, my God, really? That's
1: what I heard. Last I would give up every
0: single person on the team. No White Sox is safe if we can get Aaron Judge. Really? Oh, my God, I love Aaron. I think he's, like, not only is he, like, one of the most fun players in baseball, he's so unique. He's a guy, like, we've talked about it a lot. You don't turn off the TV when Aaron Judge is that bad. You see here at the ball game, you see he's coming up the next inning, like, oh, you're not getting a beer during that half inning. It's not the ton of guys in baseball like that who aren't on the Sox where I'm like, I would pay to see this guy hit.
1: I hear that. My thing with Judge, yes, he is unique, and that uniqueness makes him vulnerable. I'm talking about his size. I just don't like the idea of going for an injury-prone outfielder. I've heard that song before.
0: You're telling me an eight-foot-tall outfielder can't play 162 games?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, his career is kind of proof of that.
0: Well, speaking of, but a great guy,
1: and I'm not saying anything bad about him. I do find him super entertaining. I just wouldn't sell the farm for so many question marks. That to me, that like is almost equivalent to George Springer bringing in someone like that. Where it's just like, oh, okay, he's injured. Good.
0: True. 30 minutes. Well, here's another here's one. So if you're kind of – I think we're both all in on Trevor's story. Yep. News came out today about an outfielder that is probably going to be available, and apparently the Sox are already like showing some interest, and that's Starling Marte on the Marlins. So the story today, if you didn't see it, was that Marte wants a contract extension. He does want to stay in Miami. but And I think the Marlins offered him like $50 million or something like three years, $50 million, and he wants significantly more than that. So he's not going to sign that extension, and the Marlins are basically saying, well, if you don't sign this, we're going to trade you at the deadline. Like, we're not going to just let this contract expire. We're going to get something for you. So the next three weeks, Starling Marte might be available, be a free agent at the end of the year. He's doing awesome this year. If you're not familiar with the stats, it's in 296, 403 on base percentage, 456 slugging. 13 stolen bases, 6 homers, just like a bunch of extra base hits. Good defense in the outfield. How interested are you in someone like that?
1: Uh, I guess if I had to put it on a scale, Story, I'm at like a 9, and Marte, I'm at like an 8. I'm still very interested, but not as interested as I am in Story. Uh, Yeah, Marte is killing it this year, and we see this a lot with contract years where guys just tear it up or they stink and they get paid anyway. Who knows? But uh, yeah, Martez is one of these guys who always produces. People bet on him to age out or, you know, not be good. At least I think that was sort of the feeling a few years ago, but he's just always well, well above average player in all facets. Fast, good fielder, good hitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested.
0: He is also one of those guys, though, that is always injured. And not like season-ending injury guy, but he's one of those guys, if you play him in fantasy, it's like, oh, he's going to miss 15 to 20 games a year. It's just going to happen. Like, he hasn't played more than 100. He's only played more than 150 games once in his career. That was in 2015.
1: Yeah, and he's 32 now. I mean, that's he's one of those guys that people are betting on to, like, break down, but he just never – truly does he'll have little spurts like you're saying 10 or 15 games so far this year he's played 47 games pretty good uh pretty much right on his you know average (laughs) yeah he'll finish with like
0: 130 games or something have good numbers Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i think like the benefit of Marte is that he would probably be a better player than story this year because so, the so story, I don't know, he, coming back from the injury, he hasn't been the same. Still good, not great. Marte, just, he's awesome. So I think the benefit is, like, Marte probably better. But if you get story that plugs a hole that's not going to get filled otherwise. Like, Madrigal's done for the year. So story fills that hole where Eloy apparently is coming back. Luis Robert's coming back. We did pay, Adam Eaton like, $9 million. So... On paper, like the outfield in August September is going to be full, and that's not even including a guy like Andrew Vaughn who's like tearing it up recently. So, trading for Starling Marte like that would push Edamine into the bench where, to be honest, he probably belongs. But it's not the biggest hole in the roster. I think the biggest hole in the roster is clearly second base right now. And Trevor's Story does. I mean, there's no one. Maybe Marcus Simeon, as we said a couple of day, uh, years, ago, a couple of <laughs> episodes ago. Maybe that's the only other guy at that story that I would like give up a ton for. So I think I'm with you. Nine for Sori, eight for Marte. Would love them both. Would give a pretty decent amount for both.
1: Yeah, just to echo on a few things you were saying about, you know, positional need, Uh, like the guys we have. So there's days where second base, shortstop, and third base are all non-major league stars, like, you know, C or below players. and You you can't have that. You're not going to win a lot of games with Mendick, Garcia, Lamb, or whatever sideshow lineup they're running out because of injuries. The outfield I'm less worried about, honestly. like It's average, but it's not like below average, if that makes sense. And I think the hitters are way more exciting than the unproven hitters. It's like we kind of know what Garcia, Mendick, what they are, and I really don't want to trust them late in the year.
0: Time. I Yeah, I agree, especially since... Like, Vaughn's been bad defensively, as we've talked about a million times, but outfield, you can hide horrible, horrible fielders there for a while. Like, Gavin Sheets, he's probably going to be a disaster in the outfield, but that doesn't really, like, kill your team. You can probably hide Jake Berger out there if you need to, but, like, bringing Andrew Vaughn into third that game, like, that really worries me. Apparently, Jake Berger's going to play some second base, like this is what teams that aren't going to win the world series do like put horrible fielders in prime, prime, uh, fielding positions. So if Gavin sheets playing the outfield, I don't really care. But if it's October and like Moncada pulls a hamstring and we've like Andrew Vaughn playing third, that is terrifying. So get story. It protects you against like a Tim Anderson injury. God forbid. If Moncada goes down, story can slide over to third, you know, whatever. Put him at second. Like ultimately, we need middle infielders. We have one guy in on the team who can play middle infield well, and that's Tim Anderson. That's insane.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could say Mancata too, but I didn't think he was very good at second, and we don't. Yeah, he was move. bad at second. Jake Berger also third base eligible, so we may see him there some. I think that's his primary.
0: Yeah. yeah. He came up I mean, third, but then, uh, like, last week in AAA, they had him playing second, and apparently he was, like, atrocious.
1: Yeah. I believe that. <laughs> um, The other thing, one last thing on this trade, these two trades, I like them both because I think both Miami and Colorado have made some bad trades. So there's yeah. opportunity to be the winner of this trade, either trade. Like, they they got nothing for Arenado. They got – and Miami, they traded some of the biggest stars in the game for nothing.
0: So and they gave away Gellich.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. well was... And who else? Starling – not Starling. Giancarlo Stanton.
0: They, they I mean, that walk. was their old ownership, though. That was like before Jeter came in. And uh, Jeter has made some solid trades. Like they got Sixto Sanchez, who I guess – just tore his shoulder today, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but Yeah, but I, guess, I mean. It's not like we're trading with Billy Bean again, where he just, like, smoked us, got Marcus Simeon for nothing, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, so that's what I like about it. So I'm good with either avenue. I hope they do it sooner than later. I, I think I have made that point earlier. I don't want to get beat on either of these and end up with a discount bin when we had the premium options right there.
0: But just to quickly lock you down in like a real trade, you're fine trading Copec for either Trevor Story or Sterling Martin? Um
1: You know, I it really depends what they know about Aloy and Luis Robert. If they know they're making really good progress, then yes. If they have any doubts, no. So that's something for them to evaluate. But like we were talking about, the idea of coming into October with a the best lineup in Major League Baseball somehow is something I want to share of. So, yeah, do it. If you're confident that those other guys are going to be back and 100 percent, do it because, you know, windows disappear. People get injured. People leave town, hurt feelings, blah, blah, blah. Let's go for it.
0: And in the playoffs, you really only need four starters, too. So I know we've been worried about, like, well, if we trade Kopech, don't we need that pitching depth? If you trade Kopech, I mean, realistically, the worst starter is just going to go to the bullpen anyway. If that's Keichel, if that's, you know, Cease. I mean, God, putting Giolito in that conversation is insane right now. But hypothetically, like, maybe Giolito is our fourth, fifth starter in the playoffs.
1: It's entirely possible. Do we want to segue into something we were talking about pre-show, which is revisiting the, if we had to extend two of three pitchers, Rodon, Lynn, or Giolito, which would we pick? Do we want to revisit that here?
0: Perfect segue, yeah. So in light of Rodon making the all-star team, super happy for him. And Lynn. making the all-star team. But I mean, realistically, 99% of my joy is reserved for Rodon. And in light of Jay Leto missing the All-Star team and not even, like, being a snub, just, like, not deserving. What do we do next year, considering Lin's a free agent, Rodon's a free agent, Jay Leto two years away from free agency? Yeah, we got him for 2022 and 2023, but he's been resistant to an extension for last two years. I think he's signed with Scott Boris. I think he wants to hit free agency to get that, like, $200 million payday. So what do you think, and has your mind changed? Which two to three would you prioritize?
1: At this moment, if we're like trying to get midseason deals done, I would say it's Lynn and Rodon. I really am really concerned about Giolito, short and long term.
0: In that order, though, Lynn then Rodon?
1: Yeah. I think you got to do what's right in terms of a guy who's done it his whole career. Versus a guy who's flashed the pan. I mean, it's been a very bright supernova of a year for Rodon, but um, it's still just been one year for him and a bunch of you know good spot performances mixed into a terrible season. So you do what's right. You give Lynn some money. You give Rodon eighty percent of what you ever get, You gave Lynn, and like you said, I think Giolito... There is no way he signs an extension this year. His value has never been lower as a signing target. So for him, he's pretty much like, I have to have a great second half and I have to have a great 2021, 22, well, 22 season. Otherwise, I'm not going to get paid. So I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of obvious. You extend what's right in front of you, which is two excellent pitchers. And I think there's a good chance Giolito leaves even if we match. No matter what. I just kind of see him leaving.
0: I think I agree with you, but I I, I don't know if I agree with the idea that like Giolito wouldn't sign an extension after this year. Because I'm thinking of Javi Baez on the other side of town where he like pretty famously turned down, I think it was like $200 million a couple of years ago and then had an atrocious COVID season, like just was horrible last year. But I think at the end of the last year, he so he still could have probably signed an extension for $100 million. Like, yeah, it's half as much as he thought, but it's still $100 million. And then this year, he's been really bad, too. So, like, he he's going to get less than that even. So I think, like, if the Sox offered Giolito $100 million now, I think he would take that. It's like, yeah, maybe I'm never going to get to that peak, but I can have a $100 million guaranteed. And yeah, I might be taking like 50% of what I'm worth. I'm not really betting on myself, but I, I don't see that as an impossible option.
1: If we can get that price and he's at the table, okay, I'm interested. But yeah, I just see this all it with a Boris uh, signed player. I see them always going for the most money possible in the highest leverage position that they can seek. I just don't see any way around his representation. Yeah. And Javi Baez is not Lucas Giolito in terms of mental approach to the game. I think Giolito truly believes that he is the best pitcher in baseball and that he needs to tweak his way and go back to the drawing board. And that's a good thing. He's said as much in interviews that he has that confidence and he thinks of the game on a different level. I mean, maybe that's a good and bad thing, but uh, I don't see him selling himself short. I don't see it happening where he's going to come to the table and say, I'll take 50% now instead of 60% next year because, you know, middle infielder is one thing. And, you know, Baez has always been Baez where – I mean, I, even when he's good, I still think he stinks. But starting pitching, people will... Like, how many horrible veterans have gotten uh, 100 million-plus deals just because they've done it and a team can at least say, we got 150 innings in the bank?
0: I mean, that's a great point because, like, if, if Giolito's just, like, average to slightly above average and stays healthy, he's going to get paid. There's just a demand for... Pitchers who can stay on the mound and give you good innings. So, like he does, and to the point you made right before that, to Gleydson's credit, like he's done this before, and he was starting off from a much lower uh, baseline. Like he reinvented himself, worst pitcher in baseball to one of the best. So, if now he's like, "Well, I'm slightly above average. How do I get to elite again?" He should be confident that he can figure that out because he's done it before. So, you're probably right, but. I guess going back to like the two out of three to push back on Lancelin, he's going to be thirty-five next year. So we'd be re-signing a guy, a pitcher who's thirty-five, who is I mean not in awesome shape, to put it lightly. But maybe that works for him. Like we've seen bigger guys last a long time. Bartolo Colon pitched till he was like forty-four, just didn't seem to bother him. So I don't know if that's a pro or con, actually. But thirty-five-year-old pitcher who is. Not in awesome shape, who is really like a one-pitch guy, though he's been you know, working on some other stuff this year. Those are the reasons that would concern me. Like if we signed G- or, uh, Lance Lynn like three years, $65 million, and it's June of next year. It's like, oh, wait, Lynn is like 300 pounds and getting lit up, and we still have for two years. And she's going to be like 37 at the end of the contract. That worries me, which is why, to be honest, I would put Rodon at the top of the list. He's only 20. He's going to be 29 next year. So, even if we sign him for like a four year deal, age 29 through 32 seasons, it's not that bad. And, like, yeah, he's been injury prone, but Carlos Rodan is a tank. Like, that's a big guy who, like, is in good shape. So, like, are we that worried that he's going to get injured if he's shown a perseverance to, like, battle through injury, be just this, like, tank of a man and get significantly better? Like he's throwing 100 miles an hour now. He, Who's to say... I know this is like an insane comparison. I'm not saying he's going to beat us. But who's to say he's not like a Jacob deGrom who just for some reason figures out his mechanics, figures out his body after Tommy John, just keeps throwing harder and harder and is just this elite pitcher.
1: I'm more interested in that future and possibility than Giolito re-tinkering and re-finding whatever he lost. I... Like, just from a raw tool set, if we talk 98 to 100 versus 92 to 96, and, uh, you know, that's fastball comparison between the two pitchers. And we talk about Arsenal, Giolitos and Rodon are both kind of three-pitch pitchers at this point, two for Rodon. So, I mean, there's not that – he's not like a five-pitch guy who's, you know, I'll figure it out up there. So, I, yeah. I think we've both got Giolito at the bottom, and I can definitely hear man, yeah. what, you think, what you're think, what you saying about prioritizing Rodan, and I agree with a lot of it. Really, the reason I'm on Lin is just because you know me. I like to see it for three years, and then I believe it when it comes to big money. I'm comfortable giving big money to both these guys, but uh, I don't know. Jabba, Jabba's Palace needs a new <laughs> floating deck, man. You can't have Lance Lynn on a broken down floating Jabba pad. So give the man his Wait, money.
0: What is the, what is the pad in this metaphor?
1: You know how Jabba like gets carted around on that thing. And no, um, I know,
0: but, but in, the Jedi? No, yes. But what, what's the metaphor? On Lance the other side? Lynn
1: has one of those on in his home and he needs a new oh, one. Okay. And they're expensive. So it's it's yeah, not it's, a metaphor. Okay. Good. It's not metaphor. No, this is literal. <laughs> this is real life, Don. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, all right. Give him 200 mil.
1: <laughs> Straight up.
0: Here, well, Here's another wrinkle. Okay. If we could trade Dallas Keichel, why not just sign all three, right? Like, clearly, we're... Clearly, like, the money isn't there for all three because Keigel's getting paid way too much for the next couple of years. So if we can unload Keigel for, like... Even if it's a salary dump or just for, like, a third outfielder and someone to replace Adam Eaton next year. Why not just do that? Like, he's another guy. He's going to be 34 at the start of next year, and he's just getting worse. We're Is there a lock- market? No, I mean, it would probably have to be a salary dump unless you're doing, like, Andrew Vaughn and Dallas Keuchel for, like, a char- like, Charlie Blackman or something. You know, he's, like, a really good outfielder.
1: Right. Yeah, that's an option. I mean... When you do something like that, you kind of constrict what you, the moves you can make for batting. You know, are you talking about in the off season or right now? Yeah,
0: no, in the off season.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, I, I would totally be down with that. I mean, I don't know, Keiko could have an amazing second half too, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I, but I think in general, I think it's pretty clear. Like. You take care of the guys that have to be taken care of right now. You worry about g in two years and give him two years to become the g of 2019. Because Rodon, I mean, God, would you be shocked if Rodon got like 150 mil from a team this year? Like, I wouldn't. He's going to be expensive.
1: No, it's going to cost a lot. I, It probably will cost as much as Lynn. It honestly oh yeah.
0: Probably more. Like, there's going to be a team who's thinking – this is our one chance at a superstar pitcher, like a starting the All Star game pitcher. Verdun has that talent. Let's give him over 100 mil. Yeah,
1: yeah, easily. Um, okay, so we've reestablished our top three dog rankings. Um, what else do we want to talk about today? You got anything?
0: Yeah, so- well, let's uh, let's give some love to the uh, the rookies who. It kind of tearing the cover off the ball, to be honest. Like, your boy Gavin Sheets, what a debut. How happy were you watching that?
1: It's been a great year for my oaf stocks on the Chicago White Sox. They're paying out big. I, I admit I did kind of bail on him in the last pod, but it's been great. I mean, that's
0: yeah, but you like – You went to spring training, and you came back. You're like, you got to see your mean Mercedes. you got to see Gavin Sheets. These guys have talent. I was like, get the fuck out. Who, who are you talking about? Like these awful AAA players. And you're like, no, these guys can hit. And you were right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of been the theme with this Sox team is prospects who are actually good. We're like trained to think that prospects suck because we've not had good ones. Like before yeah. this batch, like, I don't know, 15 years. It's been a really long time. So it just keeps rolling. I mean, it's beautiful.
0: I mean, Sheets, like, has had a couple homers. She, he's looked good at the plate. These haven't been, like, fluky at bats. I know it's a small sample size, but, like, even through two games, you can kind of tell if someone's scared to be in the big leagues or they just, like, don't have an approach at the plate. Like, literally, day two, you look at Gavin Sheets, like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing up there. He looks awful against lefties, but we knew that. Like, he came up to mash righties, and that's exactly what he's done. I'm, I'm so impressed, and... To be honest, like, keep him here for a month. Keep him for two months. Give him the leeway that you for your mean. And just, like, you're never going to face a lefty. Every righty you're going to bet DH and just, like, hit the hell out of the ball.
1: Yep. And you called it with, you know, let's see what these guys can do. And they carried us through a lot of those games. They're going to have to carry us a little bit longer, it looks like. So big shout-outs to – I think that Sheets was our best player over the last seven days, like that. Like, oh, yeah. He, either he him or Vaughn. Bon. Vaughn awesome. I mean, bon has been Yeah, Vaughn bon yeah, is so funny.
0: Like, they did exactly what I wanted. Like, I literally said, like, call up Sheets, call up Berger, just cycle them through. And Jake Berger, I know he's only had a few games, but I found this little fun fact. Check this out. So, you know, those baseball savant pages, you can see, like, the percentile rankings of everyone, like how yep. fast they run, how hard they hit the ball. So obviously there's not a lot of data, but already Jake Berger, 86th percentile in max exit velocity, which is like very, very good. To For reference, that's the same as Andrew Vaughn, who is a very, very good hitter. So Jake Berger, Andrew Vaughn hit the ball the as hard as each other, which is very hard. Like,
1: and as it sounds, max exit velocity is your hardest hit ball the season, so that's an easy yeah. one to show up on baseball savant as long as you have a qualifying uh, exit velocity. That that's good. What was the number on it?
0: Jake Berger was eighty six percent.
1: No, oh, uh, the actual bigger. yeah mile per uh, one
0: thirteen. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Gavin Sheets though, like sixtieth percentile, so. Not a guy good that's like cool. He's just a good hitter. Like, yeah. he's really can hit. Not crushing the ball. Not going to be Giancarlo Stanton, but I'm happy with both. And Andrew Vaughn, like, God, the last few weeks, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I did, like, the game log like, and baseball reference. That dude is in, like, 330 with, like, three homers. The power's finally coming. Like, I'm so excited for him.
1: yeah. He's definitely figuring it out. I mean, I even early, his at-bats where he wasn't getting returns, you could see he you know, had an approach. He had a real good swing. It just wasn't happening. It's finally all clicking for him, and he's just crushing the ball. He drives it he, every time. Even when he gets out, it's a good out.
0: Yeah, no, he's in the 90th percentile of hard hit percentage, which is like they rate it right from like, you know, Ice-cold blue to Flamin' Hot Red. That's like Flamin' Hot Red. He's like elite at hitting the ball hard. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And he's 23 and he like double A and skip triple A. Just really impressive.
1: Yeah. It makes you wonder if those guys didn't get hurt, how loaded this lineup would be.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, I don't know if you got anything else, but I know what we got to close out with.
1: Bonus content?
0: The, uh, yeah, the trade. We're going to okay. lock down a trade.
1: Go ahead and introduce the scenario, Don.
0: So Dan's team is in the toilet in our fantasy league. Just through a variety of injuries and what have you. My team's doing good, fourth place. Not awesome, also injuries. But I got Luis Robert, been sitting on the aisle all year. I got a bunch of guys injured, so I do need like a healthy outfielder. I am starting some absolute garbage. So Dan offered me Mookie bets for Luis Robert. And this is an auction league, keeper league, so Dan would be able to keep Luis Robert for, I think, $12 next year, which is an awesome price. He'd go for over like 20 maybe even 30 bucks. And I probably would not keep Mookie Betts since, what is he, like $50? Around
1: $45. Around? So in our 45. league, the minimum keep would be $48, which is just about 25% of the total uh, roster value.
0: And guys do go for that much, like the elite, elite guys. Trout bets do go for that much, but like, would I really keep bets? Probably not. So, it'd honestly, be a
1: yeah, to- you could keep bets at that price because he could easily go in the next auction for forty-eight, but he could just as easily go for forty-two. So, right,
0: there's no incentive to keep him.
1: Right, because you can bid forty-eight on draft day anyway, if you want to. Like, oh, what's when weird? you, uh, you could have kept Moncada for 17 and instead you ended up paying 20 for him.
0: Yeah. Cause I think you knew that going in and like bid 19. No,
1: I like, yeah. I, that that was, oh, That was Jarius. That was me. <laughs> okay. I bid it to 17 as payback for Cody Bellinger. I'll never sure. forgive you for that. Yeah. Another throwback. Uh, I think that was four, dr- five drafts ago. Don before the draft asked me, yeah, what uh, rookie prospect do you want more than anyone? And I told him Cody Bellinger. And then when his name came up, Don was there bidding against me for Bellinger, <laughs> came to my home, and he tried to take my Bellinger right out of my mouth.
0: Uh, yeah, you invited me over kindly, you gave me beer, I think you gave me food, and I doubled the price of Bellinger in return.
1: Yeah, it was still a steal.
0: Yeah, I would get like 40 homers that year and you got for like 10 bucks.
1: Five bucks was yeah. the original price, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, we're going to try to finalize this deal live on the air. Don's getting the immediate, you know, he's having a little bit of a down year, but Mookie Betts is one of the premier players and I get long-term, well, at least next year, keepable, affordable Luis Robert.
0: Well, so I think this is one of those rare win-win deals in fantasy. Like the beauty of the Keeper League is like if you're close to the bottom, you just reset for next year and you can immediately be good. So I think, like, there's a realistic outcome where Monkey Betts puts me over the top. I make the championship. Maybe I don't win, but I'm like, you know, I make some money. And now you go into 2022 with one of the best young players in baseball for a very cheap price. So I think it could be a win-win. I think there's more downside for me, though. Because, like, if Luis Robert comes back, like, August 10th and is awesome, then I'm like, oh, my God, I just gave up this stud prospect for, like, what, four weeks of Mookie Bets? is that really going to be the difference in the title for me? I mean, it might be, but, like, that's the downside. But it's not like Luis Robert, if he's, like, killing it in real life, it's not like I'm going home with my fancy team, so it's not that big of a concern.
1: Definitely. I mean, for me, it's a yard sale. I'm trying to move every piece I can move, and I think when I look around the league, there's not a lot of prospects that I'm interested in outside of the ones who are completely ungettable and, you know, like your Franco types. Right. So, like, I would never trade Franco, so I don't know why anyone else would. But uh,
0: with and Robert, if you And you trade him for like a Juan Soto Acuna type, you wouldn't trade him for a guy you couldn't keep.
1: Right, exactly. And with Robert, he's kind of at the end of his rookie phase, and his cost is kind of, you know, fair. Even to the point where you're going to have to debate if he gets arbed up to 22. Let's say, is that a keep or do I risk it in the bid? So, I think there's some questions on both sides, and I agree. If Robert comes back, that's a tough, that's a tough one to swallow. I mean, he could he could stink. He can come back and stink. At least with Mookie, you know, going into it, there's no recovery period of getting used to the league again. I mean, Luis Roberts had, is it less than 100 games in Major League Baseball?
0: It's around there, yeah.
1: So, I yeah, mean, the downside- in a playoff push, do you want an MVP or do you want a potential MVP?
0: I think that's unlikely, but that is downside for you. Like, if Luis Robert comes back and hits, like, 217 and you're staring at, like, a $16 price next year or, like, 12 or whatever, you do have to consider, like, I spent $16 on a guy who, like, just might suck. But he also might come back and hit 15 homers in, you know, 30 games with just... And he might start running, and he might steal 15 bases. Like, he might be the best player in fantasy baseball in September. Like, there's that.
1: Honestly, the best outcome for both of our fantasy teams is for Luis Robert to be bad. <laughs> because then his price won't go up too high, and you won't have FOMO on Robert.
0: Well, bad, but not atrocious. Like, like playable, healthy, but not like, oh my god, is Luis Robert just like, is his career over?
1: Yeah, I think what he does in center field will keep him in the and who he is and what the organization plans for him is going to keep him in the lineup no matter what. Yeah. But so it's out there. That is the deal. It's a huge deal. I mean, a guy like Mookie Betts, a guy like Luis Robert. So, I mean, I proposed the trade, so you know I'm in on it. Do Do you need more time? Are you ready to make the call?
0: You know what, the only thing that was like really holding me back was if Moncada was going to be out a while. Uh, it's why, it, like, even before you came up with the idea to do it live in the air, I was like, ah, i got to wait to see if Moncada's back. I, mean, I can't trade, and then I get another hole. But Moncada's in the starting lineup tonight, which means, yes, I accept this deal. You're getting Luis Robert.
1: Woo. So everyone heard it. Don is not a fan of the White Sox. He just traded our future <laughs> MVP... For a fleeting chance at a championship. Can you believe this guy?
0: The last, honestly, the last time I did a trade like this, I traded like elite, elite prospects for Bryce Harper one year. And this is when Bryce Harper was like as good as Trout. And literally like two days later, he slipped on first base running and like tore his ACL and was out for the rest of the year. So I'm very nervous that Mookie Betts is going to like have a freak injury tomorrow.
1: You got to keep buying tickets. I mean, uh, the story is the same for me. I was on the end you're on now. I traded a ton of really good prospects. I believe Albies was in the deal. He didn't pan out in a period of time where it was too big of a loss for me. But I traded for Jose Ramirez and Chris Sale when I was just destroying the league. And I was like, this is what I need to get over. They both got injured within a week or two out for the season, lost in the semifinal. You know, good stuff. Good stuff, fantasy baseball.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) I'm locked into the trade already, but I'm, like, horrified of that possibility.
1: I mean, it's out there. You know it's out there. I mean, you're taking the risk on this season. I'm taking the risk on next season and potential lost capital.
0: But you know what's fun about having a guy like Mookie Betts, and you know with Bellinger, having a guy on the West Coast is genuinely fun. Like, if you're up late, it's like 11.30. It's like, yeah, I'll see what's on. And the Dodgers are playing still. You get to watch Mookie Betts. You get to watch Bellinger. You get to watch Fernando Tatis if you got him. There's just like an extra bonus having a West Coast guy if you're in the Midwest or East. It's like the last last game of the night.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I love having shares in the Dodgers for that reason and just the distribution that goes on in that lineup. It's like, you know, everyone feeds each other. So... It's a great piece to have. I think I still – no, I just traded Max Muncy too.
0: Oh, yeah, you're going all in on Severino, being uh, coming back strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a $1 keep for potentially an ace pitcher. So that's my mentality. I gave up Kyle Gibson, which he is really good this year. It's just – is he – I don't know. I think Severino's elite.
0: I mean, yeah. If he if he comes back, I mean, I love Luis Severino. I just don't know if he's coming back soon.
1: Well, I think he'll be back next year. That's all I know. Oh yeah,
0: I guess yeah. You're not in it for this year, so it No, matter.
1: that that's why Robert even being bad is good for me because I don't need to win a single game.
0: Although I one year when I did sell, it's kind of fun to sell and just like kind of be bad because then you can churn your roster waiver wires. It's actually kind of fun to like see. Oh, maybe I'll get this flash in the pan for a month and you'll still be competitive. Like you might go on like a four game winning streak and be like, Oh my God, I can still make the playoffs.
1: Yeah. The beauty of dumping a bunch of roster is that now you need to refill it so you can take um. chances like you're saying. So yeah, I may have a little uh, renaissance in the next couple of weeks where I'm actually paying attention and trying to add because I have roster positions and not just 10 injured players that I would love <laughs> to be able to play. But uh, this is awesome. I'm excited. Good stuff. I, I,
0: will text, uh, I will text Jarius, and I think him and Max need to decide if this is going through. And we might get it done for tonight. Is Mookie playing tonight? Mookie's playing in 50 minutes. Let's see if we can get this done. Put Unless you want to enjoy him one last time.
1: No. I, I would prefer you get him as soon as possible so you get maximum value.
0: True. All right. Then let's call it here. Why don't you close us out?
1: All right. Well, I think that was a good episode. Talked about a lot of stuff going around. We capped up on, uh, some potential trade moves. That seems to be all we talk about. I mean, it is the most interesting thing. I think it's dire that we need hitting support. So we'll see if they go out and do something. We got the all-star game coming up. We got what? Six more games. So let's see if we can at least go 500, get into the break and, uh, yeah, we'll probably do some off-season content during the All-Star break. Just, like, random stuff. We don't know. Maybe we'll do a trade special. I know we talk about it every day, but something about, like, uh, best and worst trades for the Sox. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit our
0: horrible bets, too.
1: Yeah, that's another thing Don brought up. Let's, uh, let's touch in on our mid-season check-in on our bets. Spoiler, they're they're bad. And uh, maybe we'll put in some new ones. I don't know. Try to chase like every good gambler.
0: That's always good. All
1: right. Thanks for listening.